This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. to Faith FM, positively different radio. Wide awake while the world is sound asleep and too afraid of what might show up while you're dreaming. Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you. Nobody, nobody will believe you. And every day you try to pick up all the pieces, all the memories they somehow never leave you. Nobody, nobody, nobody sees you. Nobody, nobody will believe you God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you God only knows how it's killing you But there's a kind of love that God only knows God only knows what you've been through God only knows what they say about you But God only knows the real you There's a kind of love
God only knows what they say about you. God only knows how it's killing you. But there's a kind of love that God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. Welcome back, guys. Uh, that was for King and Country with God Only Knows. You're listening to Faith FM, the breakfast show on Faith FM. Lawson, you got another clue for our quiz? There? No, I do not. Someone has answered the quiz. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Dude, right. shout out Gloria from the best town name in Australia, Alligator Creek yeah. in <laughs> Queensland. You have won the quiz. Of course, the answer was Job. And that means that you get a big old I bite. thought Alligator Creek was in the Solomon Islands. Mate, I think everywhere should just be called Alligator Creek. Famous battle fought there in the Second World War. Well, there you go. Bam. Why is it called Alligator Creek in Australia? Or the Solomon Islands, for that matter. Where we don't have alligators. That is a good country. But, Lyle, I think you just need to stop thinking into it. This is like the Michael Bay movie of town names. It might not be accurate. But it's epic. Okay? <laughs> it's epic. It's cool. Just, just let it be. Right. Just Lyle? let it be. Okay. Just let right. it be. All right. I'll let it be. It is cool. I, it I is would, cool. I would live there. I think just for the name. Yeah. I don't know what's there. I don't. Neither do I. I've never. Uh, who? Heard what was of the name? Place. Gloria. Al- Maybe Gloria, Gloria needs, from Alligator Creek. Maybe Gloria from Alligator Creek needs to call us up and to tell Fill us, us in. What, whether we should live there or not. Yeah. Tell whether us what's an awesome is. place. But, maybe it's a. Maybe it's a dump. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. Um, anyways, we have come to our encounter with God. Before we section. do, oh, here we go. Before we do, um, I spent a fair bit of time talking with Craig and Tamara off air after that interview. There was so mm. much more that they could talk about, so many more stories that they could share, and really, uh, you know, wow, what a story, what a word picture, and 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 that's a story that must have been told just over and over and over and over again um, over these last few days Mm. 
And so what we are facing is a massive humanitarian crisis Yeah, in uh, um, these fire destroyed areas and you just heard there how that you know the 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 family property um they've lost numerous houses um even his you know grandfather's house that was in town burnt down there's numerous houses um on the property that have been burnt down and destroyed mm. and uh, and and this is just one example and so i wanted to i wanted to talk a little bit about the needs that are that are uh, existing down there I want to talk a little bit about how we can help out because I think all of us in a, are in a position where we can help out. It was interesting to actually hear, um, you know, from somebody on the ground saying, "Okay, this is what we need right now. Mm. We need fencing and we need fodder." Yeah, I think there are a number of charities that are providing food. Uh, however, the biggest, you know, and, and one of the things that he highlighted there was we can't buy fencing. And so if you're a fencing contractor or you're, you're, a, you're a farmer or you're just somebody who's good at doing fencing and you know how to do fencing, don't just load up your tools and head south and start knocking on doors. Load up your tools and load up you know, your ute and your trailer with fencing wire mm. and fence posts because it seems that the needs down there are, you know, we need to know exactly what the needs are. Yeah. And fencing and fodder are the needs. Did want to also mention, um, they uh, mentioned a fellow by the name of George Walters. Sounds like a good guy. From South Coast Rural Relief. And when I was chatting to them off air, they could not say enough good things about what this guy is doing. Mm. So he's a local guy on the ground. Um, and he is just, he's, if you go to his Facebook page, um, South Coast Rural Relief, um, George Walters, and he is just bringing out massive and amounts of fodder, and he's about to start on bringing in fencing materials to get these farms back up and running again. He is, you know, being a local, he knows what the actual needs are, and rather, you know, because... Some of the organizations are throwing money at it. Well, money's great if you can buy the products that you need to buy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, being, being right there on the ground, he's able to ship stuff in. He's got his organized road trains of hay that are coming in. So big shout out to George Walter, South Coast Rural Relief. And as they mentioned, you know, you don't typically trust a Facebook appeal at this time. Because mm. there are scammers out there who are like, oh, bushfires, let's make money. Yeah, yes. And so it's good yes. to hear from somebody who can, who is receiving benefit and who the whole, you know, as they mm. mentioned, the whole region is receiving benefit and they've been like, well, you know, go here, go there, go somewhere else. And they're able to point out all these different farms that can be helped out. And he is actually helping out, you know, multiple, multiple people. They were saying that, you know, in the last week, the guy has barely slept. Mm. As be, he's been managing all of this, and so this is a genuine one. It's good to come across a genuine one mm. on Facebook. There's, I, I would encourage you not to support uh, charities on Facebook unless you actually know. And so um, that one's come through. Of course, Adra. Uh, they did mention Adra has been giving them support. A D R A. If you go to their website, and this is the best way to give, or the safest way to give, I should say, is through the websites of major aid organisations. Yes. Adra being one of them, uh, you know that your money is going to be uh, looked after and dealt with well. So Adra A D R A. 
uh, go to their website and they've been receiving support from them. They also mentioned that the Bigger Valley Council um, has a community disaster relief fund. So you can go to the website of the Bigger Valley Council. And once again, these are people who are on the ground right there. They know exactly what's going on. They know what the needs are and they can spend the money in wise ways. Mm. Uh, I think there is, you know, I, I can remember back in the days and probably Lawson is before your time when Hurricane Katrina went through New Orleans in, in America and, you know, so many tradies just loaded up their utes and drove south. Yeah. Um, I had friends in Wisconsin where Shell comes from, which is up near the Canadian border, who just loaded up their ute and just drove south. And they had no idea what they were going to do when they got there. But they spent, you know, a month, six weeks, whatever. And while they were there, they were spending money. They were staying in motels. They were supporting the local economy. And they just went around and knocked on doors and said, hey, what can we do? We're here to help. And maybe maybe you're somebody who's in a position to do just that. Mm. Maybe you have a ute and you have some tools and you can take some fencing supplies and you can head down there and start helping people rebuild fences. Mm. It seems that this is a... a uh, major issue for so many of these communities that have been just you know ravaged by fire. Many different ways that we can help, and we all need to be thinking about ways that we can help out at this time of national crisis here in Australia. And we just thank God for the rain that has come through, and we pray that a whole lot more of it um, comes comes through. Mm. All right. Having said all of that, we do need to have a Bible study at some stage. And so we need to go to our Bibles and we need to pick up where we were left from yesterday in on uh, Faith FM. And Lawson is after something You need here. to give me back my Bible. Oh, your Bible. I thought you were pointing at... <laughs> soy milk. Pointing at my soy milk. I'm like, he wants to have breakfast. <laughs> this is the breakfast show. <laughs> so I thought I'd pass him some soy milk. Yeah. What a guy. He knows <laughs> that I haven't eaten breakfast this morning and he's like, feel sorry for me. Lawson, we, we, there you go. There you can have oh, your soy milk. See, I might drink the rest. Mmm, yum. No worries. <laughs> we don't want you uh, starving or dehydrating here. No, that's... that's. I understand your concern. All right. Where are we headed? The book okay. of Daniel? The book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to talk about events that were taking place in Daniel. Yesterday we were talking about how that uh, the book is about the great controversy because it's about the conflict between Jerusalem and Babylon. Mm. And that is the conflict that you find throughout the Bible. You find it particularly in the book of Revelation. So we know that this is all about the great controversy. What we want to see is how this controversy plays out. So when we look at Babylon, Babylon, you know, it, it ebbs and fades and then comes back again. Uh, the religion that was established in Babylon spreads around the world as the languages of the world spread around the world. Mm. As it spreads, that religion is diluted. Mm. And so you'll find that there are a lot of elements of the original Babylonian form of worship that remain. Not a lot, but a few core ones. So the worship of the serpent, the worship of the sun, uh, the balance of the universe, fertility rites, um, you know, the balance of the universe, you know, good versus evil, um, and keeping those kinds of things in balance. These were elements that remained and became more or less universal throughout the world, the worship of nature, uh, etc. Then you have all of the finer details of that religion that are polluted, you know, all of the different nations that the religion was picked up by. 
adapt that religion to their local culture. And so the gods, they all end up with different names and different characteristics and they fight different wars and have different children and have Mm. affairs. And, you know, these are very interesting gods. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so you've got all these different gods that are just sort of, you know, really spread all over the place. Um, and their characteristics have changed. And over thousands of years, their characteristics change quite dramatically. What you've got to remember is that when Nebuchadnezzar comes to power, the world in which he comes to power in is incredibly old. Mm. And they know it's old. I mean, this is an old world. Yeah. You go to Europe and you've lived in Europe for a while, Lawson, and you go to areas where you find Roman ruins. Yeah. And those ruins are seriously old. Yeah. Yeah. They're 2,000 years old. Yeah. And when Nebuchadnezzar comes to power in <laughs> Babylon, Babylon is 2,000 really years old. old. It's actually it's super startling, like coming from Australia. Oh yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. we're from the era of like post, you know, post um post Do stone it. buildings. Like uh-huh. we've either we've got like bricks and stuff and bricks and timber, timber, and oh man, you go over there and you're walking down cobblestone roads that date back to Roman times, the Roman literally times. Roman times. It is just wild. Uh huh. And and you and you and buildings that are still in use. Mm. Since Roman times. Since Roman times. It is bizarre for uh, an Australian or an American thing. or any dweller from the New World to go to places like that where it is truly old. old. Yeah. And when Nebuchadnezzar comes to power, and we often don't think about this, when Nebuchadnezzar comes to power in Babylon, it is unimaginably old. Mm. And he knows that it is old. And one of the things that he decides to do is to try and go back 2,000 years and try and discover what the original religion of Babylon was mm. and bring it back, mm. you know, in the, in the Neo-Babylonian Empire. What's interesting is that his son-in-law, Nabonidus, comes to power after Nebuchadnezzar dies, uh, some years after Nebuchadnezzar dies. And when Nabonidus comes to power, he becomes the first recorded archaeologist. Oh, wow. So he actually goes on archaeological digs. He discovers things from the ancient past. He builds a museum. Mm. He puts those artifacts in the museum. He tries to put interpretation on what those artifacts are. You know, and, and this is and this is two thousand years ago. Yeah, oh, and he's dealing with artifacts. This is two and a half thousand years ago, and he's dealing with artifacts that are two thousand years old. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is old stuff. What I what I think at that point is like, what was what was Nebuchadnezzar's real motivation in that? Like, as in, what what was he really shooting for when he was was he just trying to pay homage to the original Babylon? Was did he see something in the original Babylon that would like that would unite? You know, because he was he very much had globalistic intentions yeah. in what he was doing. It's like, did he see something in the old Babylon that would unite the nations? Unlike you know, what they had at the time. like It's an interesting question, isn't it? One of those questions that we'll never answer because we weren't there. However, there is a clue in the fact that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a Babylonian. Mm. He was a Chaldean. Yes. Maybe he was carrying favor with the local population. Mm. You know, Babylon was the greatest city of the ancient world, and Nebuchadnezzar really did make it into, you know, one of the greatest cities of the ancient world. 
Um, but he was a foreigner. Yeah, wow. And, you know, his scientific elite, the Bible talks about in Daniel chapter 2, the Chaldeans, mm. who he has brought into power, they are all foreigners. Mm. And maybe he's trying to build bridges here. We don't know the answer to yeah. this, but it's a really, it's, it's a fascinating it, question just to think about. Yeah, it's a, like, because that, it's, it's the political circumstance, it's the religious circumstance all feeding into each other to grow this empire into what it was. Like, it, yeah. Oh, man. When we have, and when you when you think about <laughs> when you think about the oldness, and when you think about yes. this for a moment, you think about the oldness of the empire, right? Mm. And the Babylonians have taken over from the Assyrians, mm. who were a bigger empire, a more powerful empire, um, and uh, the Babylonians have been able to conquer them, you know, in alliance with the Lydians and the Medes and so forth. But if you go, you know, another another couple of hundred years down the track. You've got Xenophon. He's a Greek. Yes. And he's traveling through uh, the Euphrates, Tigris River valleys. He's a mercenary involved in a Persian civil war, and he comes across the ruins of Nimrud and Nineveh. Mm. And he sees these great cities. It's interesting to read you know, what he writes about it because he sees the, the ruins of these great cities that the Babylonians destroyed about 200 years before this. Mm. And it just blows his mind. It just melts his brain because he has never seen such magnificent structures. And they're standing there in ruins. And he's like, what kind of a race of giants built this? Yeah, wow. It just blows his mind. He has no idea what he's looking at. And, of course, we know today that what he was looking at was the ruins of Nineveh. Mm. It's hard to imagine somebody, you know, digging something up that we dig up now, and it's like, and this what? is this is two and a half thousand years ago. Like we we dig up stuff, and it's like, oh yeah, this is from the Stone Age. It's like a rock. It's like a pointy. <laughs> we dig up pointy rocks, and we're uh, like, oh wow, like this is so old, man. That would be insane. Yeah. Like to just this was an old, old world in Nebuchadnezzar's day, and they knew it was old. Mm. It's, it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, we just need to wrap our minds around as we progress into this subject. The other thing that we need to look at is the fate of Jerusalem. Yes. So Jerusalem also ebbs and wanes and, you know, backwards and forwards and, and uh, has some high points and some low points. Mm. And so if we take it from the time of Melchizedek, where we first discovered uh, Jerusalem, mm. Salem, it was it was called, which later became known as Jerusalem. Mm. Um, we find that you know it was ruled by the Jebusites for a long time, uh, for probably hundreds of years, even during the time of the Israelite nation and occupation. This was a Canaanite city mm. until King David comes to power. When King David comes to power, he is a warrior. Mm. David was an interesting character. He was very multi-talented. He was a warrior. He was a general. He was a statesman. He was a artist. A musician. A musician. A poet. A singer and a poet. You know, you put all... Anybody met <laughs> Anybody met somebody who combines those many different talents? And not only is he like, can he, he's not a, he's not even a jack of all trades as well because he's the best. He's a master of all, of all trades. <laughs> David is one of those few people that is a master of all trades. And 
So when we look at David, we're like, wow. But anyway, one of the things is that he's a warrior and a general, and he wants to set up a capital city, and so he's looking for the most well-defended place in the entire nation. Mm. And, of course, Jerusalem has natural defenses unlike anywhere else in the nation. Mm. And all you've got to do is to improve on those natural defenses. And if you go to Jerusalem today, you can see that, yeah, wow, this would have just been an absolute brute of a fortress in its day just because mm. of just because of the topography yeah you know and you've got to imagine those valleys around Jerusalem being another couple of hundred feet you know another hundred meters deep deeper than what they are now because they've been filled up with rubble over the years mm. uh, and it'll give you a picture of of you know the kind of environment that it was in this was this was wild inhospitable um, cliff faces and and it has a water supply and, you know, it's just an amazing spot. And he's like, we need to have this. And so King David captures it. Um, Joab climbs up the uh, the uh, the cistern and uh, gets inside the city and captures it from the Jebusites. And David makes it his capital city. Mm. It also becomes the place where the temple is built under Solomon. And it becomes the center of the... Israelite empire that at one stage stretches from the river of Egypt all the way to the Euphrates, which is a very, very large yeah. uh, piece of land that they have hegemony over. Then after Solomon, they have a civil war. And effectively what you've got is this is God's church. Mm. God's church is a nation. Yeah. And God's church has a split. And half of God's church goes off into apostasy. And so you've got half down in the south who worship God in the temple, mm. Yahweh, and you got the other half up the north who worship God, Yahweh, on good days, <laughs> in the form of a golden calf. That's yeah. a good day for the north. Mm. Uh, a bad day for the north is when they just go, forget Yahweh, let's worship Baal, which mm. was a Phoenician god, a storm god. And, of course, the south equally has a number of bad days or bad kings or bad eras where they go into yeah. abject idolatry as well. The difference with the South was there was times when they did truly worship God according to the way that he was supposed to be worshipped in his temple in Jerusalem. This is Gavin Coyle with the Holy City, Jerusalem. Last night I Sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels. From heaven an answer rang Methought the voice of angels From heaven an answer rang Jerusalem Highest 
my dream was changed The streets no longer rang Hushed were the glad hosannas The little children sang The sun grew dark with mystery The morn was cold and chill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill As the shadow of a cross arose Upon a lonely hill Oh uh-huh. 
That was Gavin Goyle with The Holy City. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. And we've been talking about Jerusalem. Yes, we have. And we delved during the song break into the debate Mm. over whether David existed or not. Bit of an archaeological (laughs) debate. Mm. The Bible says that he did. I believe that the archaeology supports what the Bible says. In fact, there has never been anything discovered in archaeology that has contradicted or disproved the Bible. Mm. Uh, There has been a tremendous amount that has been discovered. However, archaeology, as we were uh, mentioning here a moment ago amongst ourselves, is rather thin because only 1% of all archaeological sites have ever been excavated. Mm-hmm. Of those sites, only 1% of those sites is excavated. You, you, you dig a trench mm. and you draw all your conclusions from that one trench. Um, of the 1% of the 1%, only 1% of the artifacts survive. So pretty yeah. much only only artifacts that are made out of stone or clay survive and only the rubbish. Because if it's a good artifact, it continues to be used. Mm. It's not until it's broken that it becomes discarded and then available <laughs> for archaeologists to dig up in the future. Mm. And so archaeology is just kind of one of those things that, uh, you know, it has um, it has its limitations and we need to recognize the limitations of archaeology. The good thing is with even within the limitations of archaeology, there are over 100 individuals that are mentioned in the Bible that have been also discovered in archaeology mm. and confirmed through archaeology, which is super exciting. Anyway, so Jerusalem, it has its ups and its downs as well. The difference between Jerusalem and the northern nation of Israel, the Jews and the Israelites, is that the Jews sometimes worshipped God. <laughs> and in Israel, they never worshipped. Well, they said they did, but in the form of a golden calf, which is like not worshipping God. Mm. They did that you know, in the desert, in the wilderness, and a lot of them died as a result of it. You would think that would be a really good idea not to build the golden calf. In fact, you would almost choose anything but a golden calf. But we see consistently in the Bible that the nation of Israel has few good ideas. Indeed. <laughs> and this is one of the great things about the Bible, because, and this is what makes it so different from any other ancient book. Uh, it has a record of defeats. And the record that we're reading here in Daniel chapter 1 is the most epic defeat of God's people you find anywhere in the Bible. Mm. I mean, not only is God's people defeated, God's people are taken captive, and the temple is raided and later raised to the ground. How do you raise something to the ground? It's an interesting term. But anyway, it's raised to the ground. It is completely destroyed, and this is the most convincing defeat that God's people, God's church, ever receives. Mm. And it happens after four years, sorry, four terms of bad kings. You have four bad kings in a row, Mm. four kings that are just, you know, the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. These kings are idolatrous, they have no interest in worshipping God. And they are just like, you know what, you know, we, we're just going to worship the gods of the nations around us because they look, look like more fun. Mm. Until the point that God's like, well, I'd love to stand up for you guys, but there's really, you, you've rejected me, you've pushed me out. What can I, what can I do? Mm. You won't have anything to do with me. So what can I do? What is there left that I can actually 
do here to to do for you. And uh, of course, when the Babylonians turn up and they have long remembered the wealth that there is in Jerusalem, because a long time ago there was a righteous king by the name of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah had been ill. And Isaiah the prophet came to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah said, what's going to happen? And Isaiah the prophet said, you're going to die, right? you will. Mm. Sad news. Hezekiah was very upset by that. And Hezekiah pled with God, and God gave him another 15 years. And Isaiah hadn't even left the palace grounds. And God says, go back and tell him I gave him another 15 years. Mm. And by the way, tell him that I'm going to show him a sign that this is going to happen, just to encourage him. Mm. I'm going to make the sun go back 15 degrees in the sky. <laughs> Wild. Now, outside of Israel, what is the primary god that every nation worships? Uh, the god of the sun. The sun. And when the sun goes backwards, when your primary god does something super unusual, mm. you're going to ask questions, aren't you? Yeah, sure. And the story leaks out, as God intended it to do leaks out to the surrounding nations about this God who can control their God. Mm. And the Babylonians are a little bit perturbed by this. Is there a God stronger than Bel or Marduk? Mm. And if there is, do we need to know about this God? Maybe we need to change our allegiance. Maybe we need a more powerful God. Maybe if we had a more powerful God, we could throw off the Assyrians. Mm. And so they send ambassadors to this little micro-nation of Jerusalem or Judea to find out about this Jewish God and to find out, you know, does he really have the power to control our God? Because if he does, that's a big threat. Yeah. And not only is it a threat, if we align ourselves with that God, it's a big advantage. Mm. When they get there, Hezekiah is like, wow, I've got one of the world's superpowers coming to visit me. I'm a micronation. And he gets that little dog syndrome where he has to act bigger and bark oh, louder. Just the lamest story. It just like makes you cringe. I'm like, I'm just waiting for it to come out of your mouth. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and rather than telling them about Yahweh, who is the actual only God mm. and who can control the sun because he actually made the sun, He shows them his wealth. And, of course, Jewish people being Jewish people, you can imagine there would be a lot of wealth there. That is their superpower. That is their gift. Mm. Um, And the Babylonians mark it down for future reference. And it's not until the time of Nebuchadnezzar that they are in in the position to be able to go, you know what? We just had an expensive war with the Assyrians. How are we going to pay for it? I know how we'll pay for it. We'll go and take Jerusalem. Oh, because we remember, if we remember rightly, there's a whole bunch of gold down there. (laughs) Yeah, what a mess up of epic proportions. And it goes to show that we should accept what God says when God says it, because if if Hezekiah had accepted the will of God, Manasseh would never have been born. Mm. He was was the worst individual our world has probably ever seen. Mm. Anyway... We come down to four bad kings in a row. What has taken place at this point is that God's people have gone into idolatry. They have been led there by their leadership. They are incredibly far from God. As a nation, 
they have left God. Corporately, they have left God. There's one or two exceptions. You've got Jeremiah, and of course he's down in Egypt with a bunch of Jewish exiles down there. Jewish mercenaries have gone to Egypt. You've got Ezekiel, and he goes into Babylon Mm. with the captives, and so he's there. And you've got them saying their stuff, and you've got these four teenagers. Yeah. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's their their, uh, Hebrew names. And that's about it. So you've got, what, six people left. Now, there's a story in the Bible, and I have to come back and talk about it tomorrow, but it's a very interesting story about how Satan goes to heaven and claims to be ruler of this earth and trips up because Job still worships God. But we're going to come back and talk about how Satan nearly got back to heaven in just a moment. I'm Matt from Warrigal Seventh-day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10am for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us, and we'd love to see you there. What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education 
designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. That was Mal Venus with Spirit of the Living God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Lawson, have you got another quiz for us? Seeing as the last one got snapped up. Yeah. Are you sure? We haven't done one. Do you want to just do a clue now? Maybe it's a little later. Yeah. No, it's too late in the show. We'll just do question of the day. Yes. You're going to have to wait till tomorrow to Mm -hmm. win a prize. Okay. 
question of the day. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So the phrase, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and, your, and you and your household also, this, that's a phrase in the Bible in mm-hmm, Acts chapter mm-hmm. 16 specifically. Can this ever mean that if there is one converted believer within a family or household, then the other members may also be saved without being converted believers? It's a really, really good question. Mm. The answer is no. Mm-hmm. A person is saved or lost based on their individual connection with God. Mm. The Bible says that the righteousness of the Father shall not save the Son, neither the righteousness of the Son shall save the Father. Salvation is not transferable from one person to another. Salvation is individual. And it's our personal belief in Jesus Christ that ensures our salvation. So the question that's going on here is, you know, what's actually happening? Because you've got you've got this situation where Paul and Silas are in jail. Mm-hmm. They have been beaten black and blue. Their backs are ripped to shreds. They've been placed in the stocks. They're in a situation where they can't lie down because their backs have been shredded. Mm. Um, they can't sit up because their backs have been shredded and they have no muscle power to sit up. Mm. Their feet are in stocks so they can't lay on their stomach. It's really, really, really horrible. Yeah. And so all night they're singing, as you do when Mm. you have been beaten by the Romans and then thrown into jail and placed in stocks. Man, it's a powerful story of like suffering for the Lord. It's one of my favorites. Man, is it a powerful story? There's no way in a million years would have I been singing. I've been sitting there like feeling miserable for myself. And they're singing, singing Mm. praises to God. And at midnight, the Bible talks about an earthquake comes through and the jail. Kind of collapses. Now, you can go to Philippi today and you can actually see this jail. It's still there. Yeah. Uh, and there were a number of other inmates possibly in this jail. The jailer is on the point of taking his own life mm. because he is held responsible for the inmates. In those days, if a jailer lets inmates escape then they're not just going to take his life, but they're going to take his life very, very slowly. Mm. And so he decides on a quick death over a long death. He's probably seen these kinds of deaths take place in the past before, and it doesn't matter uh, whether you are a, uh, you know, whatever position you are in society, if you let something like this happen, it's going to be long and painful. And it doesn't mm. matter whether it's your fault or not. You mm. are responsible. And so before he kills himself, Paul calls out and says, don't worry, don't worry, we're all here. We haven't escaped. We're all here. The jailer has probably been listening to the preaching of Paul up to this point and been deeply affected by it. He has definitely been listening to them sing praises to God all night and he knows these are very, very different from anyone else he's ever had in his custody. Mm. And so... He decides then and there to give his life to Jesus Christ. Like, okay, I've seen enough. Mm. This is Christianity in action. And actions speak a lot louder than words. And so he decides to give his life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says here, um, he called for a light. This is the jailer. He sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Mm. 
the and your house there, and this is this is actually comes back to a Hebrew way of speaking. Uh, we often look at it with legal language. A Hebrew way of speaking is always to assume the subject matter. Mm. Jesus Christ is the subject matter. And so it's when he says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, and your house or and your family, that and your house or and your family phrase applies to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because that is the subject matter. Mm-hmm. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And your family who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved as well. Very Hebrew way of stating something like that. And in the next verse, it says, And immediately he and all his family were baptized. That's right. His family believed and were baptized and were Mm. saved, received salvation. Are you tired of shame and secrets? Wishing you couldn't let them go. Do you feel like an orphan searching for a home? Well, there's a love that fills what's empty. There's a place you can be changed. There's a God who knows you. He's calling out your name. Come on down to the river. Don't be washed in the blood. And your sin From the giver of endless grace And everyone is welcome here To dive into the waves So leave the questions far behind you Leave your past back on the shore
You're listening to Hilary Scott and the Scott family. This is The Breakfast Show on Faith FM and Lawson. We've come to the end of the show, which means that we are about to give something away and Lawson is busily sorting through the prize box. What shall we give away today? We've had a great Bible study. We've had Mm. one of the uh, most dramatic, I think, interviews that we've ever had on Mm. Faith FM. If you missed it, you certainly need to go back and find the podcast. And listen to that again um, of a family that survived the fires down south. Um, just very, very dramatic story. Um, we've also talked about ways in which you can help out. Mm. And uh, the uh, so many people in Australia right now that are hurting so badly and need so much help. We really need to be keeping these people in our prayers. Anyway, what do you got for us there, Lawson? You found okay. Them? Yes, okay. I, I have a book. All right, good. Um, I have a book, and it is called, um, just in regards to our um, Bible study that we were doing today, it's called Outline Studies of the Tabernacle uh, by Ada R. Habershon, which is a very difficult name. Yep. Um, I, I assume it has some kind of foreign background. But yeah, I, I picked this book because we've been talking about Jerusalem, we've been talking about the temple, we've been talking about yes. the role that it plays. Yeah, 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 good, and, good, good, And good. I was like, oh, this would be a f- fantastic book to give away, to give someone context um, to that whole situation of the true worship of God that was happening in Jerusalem and, and the ways that they strayed from that. So yeah, if you want that bo- book, Outline Studies of the Tabernacle, you can give us a call, one 843 Get it completely for free. Remember to talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in 